sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to our number two, a football Friday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Spiz Grizz Network. That's Sports Grid. We only exclusively say Spiz Grizz here on a football Friday because that is the enthusiasm as we head into this weekend. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Friday live all across the grid and on the morning after. It's not just the NFL week number two Sunday slate with week number two already underway following last night inside Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri. It's also week number three of college football. A couple of games on your Friday, but some very interesting games on the Saturday slate for week number three of CFB, including a few games where we have seen tons, and I mean tons, of line movement, either this week or the past couple of months, dating back to when these lines were first posted earlier this summer in the offseason on the FanDuel Sportsbook. One that certainly catches my eye because I was all over it early on this summer. Michigan State, the number 11 team in all the land, on the road in Seattle on Saturday night, taking on Washington. When this line was originally posted, it was MSU as a a one-and-a-half-point road favorite, a Michigan State team that won the Peach Bowl last year, won 11 games in year number two under Mel Tucker, only laying a point-and-a-half. I looked at that number then and said, well, that's a short spread against a bad UW team from a season ago. And then it ballooned up to three, and that was the last I checked on it earlier this summer we refresh now as we get ready for week number three you saw that line move there Washington is now a three and a half point favorite it's not Michigan State laying three it's Michigan State getting three in a hook on the road against the Huskies on Saturday evening now it's an interesting thing because I have felt for multiple years now that the market continues to undervalue Mel Tucker and the Michigan State Spartans Michigan State is off to a 2-0 start not against the greatest competition they haven't looked the sharpest especially offensively and Washington is off to a 2-0 start as well a new regime in Seattle under Kalen DeBoer a new quarterback in Michael Penix Jr. two guys that linked up together in Bloomington in Indiana now in Seattle so they know this Michigan State team very well and Washington so far booked as a favorite in both of their games and Washington so far 2-0 both straight up and against the spread but again I think the market is slightly undervaluing Michigan State here you see that reflected in the odds for the Spartans at this point and even before the year got underway 40 to 1 to win the Big Ten. Listen, Ohio State is minus 250 to win the Big Ten Conference. The Buckeyes are a heavily favored team. Nobody has better odds than Ohio State to win any conference in the country. Group of five league, power five conference, it does not matter. So that also makes Michigan State's path to a college football playoff spot or a national championship appearance that much much more difficult as well. They're 201 to win the title. But still, the market, slightly undervaluing Michigan State here in my opinion I have no issue taking the points with MSU or maybe looking at that money line as we mentioned Ohio State minus 250 to win the Big Ten Conference in 20. 20- 
22. But a couple of Big Ten teams in action that have seen some of that line movement as well. Nebraska now very long odds to win the Big Ten. They host Oklahoma in the first game in the post-Scott Frost era. We have seen that line go from 7.5 to 13.5, now 10.5 in favor of Oklahoma on the road in Lincoln tomorrow. A welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience here. The second hour of a football Friday all across Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates here as well. I am Ben Stevens. Looking at the week three Saturday slate for college football in some of the games where we have seen the most movement in the odds. Michigan State went from an offseason three-point road favorite against Washington to a now week three three-and-a-half-point underdog on the road in Seattle. If we would have looked at a Purdue-Syracuse line in August, it probably would have been the Boilermakers on the road laying 13-and-a-half in the JMA Wireless Dome in Syracuse, New York. And even earlier this week, the Boilermakers were a slight road favorite against my Syracuse Orange. But now it's the Orange as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. We have seen this line go flippity-flip for Saturday in the Dome. The Orange laying a point-and-a-half. Syracuse is one of nine teams out of 131 FBS schools this year in college football. That is a perfect 2-0 straight up. That is covered as a favorite and won outright as an underdog. Syracuse was 8-1 against the spread in their first nine weeks of college football a season ago. Pay attention to where that line ends by the time we get to kick tomorrow in the Dome between the Boilers and the Orange. And how about the Kansas Jayhawks? Take it on Houston tomorrow. Houston was a top 25 team before last week going on the road in Lubbock and losing in overtime against Texas Tech. But pay attention to that total. 4KU and Houston, two teams that have hit the over in both of their games this year. And as we live and breathe in this moment on a Friday, September 16th, 2022, entering week three of the college football season, the Jayhawks getting nine and a half points. Kansas is the top scoring offense in all of college football. Yes, the Kansas Jayhawks, they averaged 55 and a half points per game offensively this year. They have gone over their totals by an average margin of 20.8 points per game so far through the first two weeks. Houston two overs as well. Pay attention to that total between the Cougs and the Jayhawks. We hit the streets of New York City to try to offer some help in making new friends. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on this Football Friday, live on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. I am Ben Stevens. Now pleased to be joined by our executive producer here on the grid each and every morning is Alex Fasano, also our field producer when we go out into the streets for Benny and the Bats. And Fasano, we react to week number one of the National Football League regular season, right? One of the least impressive performances probably happening in the Twin Cities this past Sunday for the Green Bay Packers against the Vikings in an NFC North showdown. Green Bay only scored seven points, Faz. Just seven points against the Vikes. And Aaron Rodgers was not all too happy about it. Yeah, you know, uh, it's a feel-good Friday for some people here. 
uh, on the morning after Ben. You, you're, you and myself included, but Aaron Rodgers needs to get on the wagon, guys. He's got to make some friends with these receivers. I know he's not happy with his team at the moment, but my goodness, I think a bounce-back game against the Bears should put him in the right mindset, right, Ben? I would hope so because, he, as he likes to say, if he's in Chicago or in Lambeau, I own you. I own the Chicago Bears. Well, the odds expect that, Fasano, because Green Bay is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite for Sunday night football in Green Bay, Wisconsin, this upcoming week. But I think the only way the Packers cover that number, Faz, a 10-point spread nearly at this point, is for Aaron Rodgers to develop a better relationship with his new wide receivers. Will Alan Lazard be healthy, healthy for the game? What about the rookie Romeo Dobbs or... Christian Watson that had a great streak route down the sideline, Faz, in the opening half against the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers puts it on the money, and Christian Watson just flat out drops it. Ugh. I think that offense needs to be a ton better if Green Bay is going to cover on Sunday night. No, oh, you hate to see it, Ben. You know, teams thrive when the chemistry is there. So Aaron has to figure out some type of routine, whether that be maybe a Saturday night dinner or, you know, hanging out after practice. I don't know what that entails, but he's got to get a better relationship with these receivers. You know where I think we can go to find the answer? That's the streets of New York City. A lot of people had some good advice for Aaron this week on how to make friends with these new guys, these young star, future star receivers. So uh, why don't we take some of their advice? So everybody just enjoy, sit back, relax, and watch this week's episode of Benny and the Bets. The Green Bay Packers only scored seven points this weekend in a season-opening loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Aaron Rodgers is playing with a ton of new wide receivers this season and doesn't seem all that happy about it. Today, we hit the streets of New York to help and find out what's the best way to make new friends. What would you say is the best way to make new friends? Uh, not by talking to them on the street. So not, don't do this. Yeah. All right. I think it's pretty fun. Uh, that I don't know. I don't have many. Sucks for that guy. Um, maybe not like this. Not like this. Just a suggestion. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Approach random people like you're doing right now. Hey, did it work? Are we friends? Uh, give him money. <laughs> Come on. Hi. Hi. It's pretty easy. We're best friends. There you go. Smile. That was nice. Want to give the smile again? Um, your other friends? It's good advice. Yeah. Just talking to random people? Like this? Yeah. Are we friends now? Kind of. The best way to make new friends is just socialize with people. That, that would be the best way. Pizza. Share a pizza. There you go. Uh, I don't know. Internet. Internet? What about live, in person on the street? Uh, nah, I'm good on that. How many new friends are you going to make today, would you say? Um, hopefully I can make maybe five friends. I would count me as one of those five. All right, definitely. Up top, we're friends. All right. Take your clothes off in a big outdoor space where there's a lot of people. <laughs> the quarterback that plays for the Green Bay Packers, his name is Aaron Rodgers. This year he's playing with a lot of new teammates. Doesn't seem too happy about it. Uh -huh. What advice would you give him? Um, I mean, if you want to play and you want to make friends, just be nice about it and don't be stuck up. With guys like that, you probably got to, like, go out and drink, go to the bar. You know, you have to. You know, learn the strengths of, the, of his new players and everything, what passes they could be open for and stuff like that. They're in Wisconsin. They love beer in Wisconsin. Yeah, they have to. There's nothing else to do out there but, but beer and, and cheese. Smile, be optimistic. Um, Maybe catch some passes? Yeah, catch some passes. 
Be a team player. He's always smiling, it looks like. It's the beard and the smile that always gets it, yeah. Just communicate their teammates. They just need to talk. Throw them the ball. And when he throws it to them, they should? Obviously catch it, but just keep throwing it to him. He should retire. Oh. <laughs> you think the Packers can win a Super Bowl this year? Hell no. Mm, probably not. I'm a Buccaneers fan, so they're Would not going to make it. They're not going to make it there. So your best friend is Tom Brady. He is now. Yeah. We're not friends. <laughs> is that what you're telling me? I mean, we don't know each other. All right, let's have a catch and then we'll know each other. Ready? Great toss. Great pass. That was like Aaron Rodgers, kind of. Oh, hey, hey. All right, what about now? Are we friends? I don't know about that. <laughs> I thought I had you. Are we friends now? Would you say? Yeah, why not? Boom! Yeah. Friends. Yeah. <laughs> ben, I don't know what I, what, what it was you said to that guy, but you couldn't get him to be your friend. I mean, man, he was a tough sell. Let me tell you, I don't know why he didn't want to be your friend. He had a catch with you. You guys were talking football. I mean, I don't know what else you yeah. have to do. I felt like Christian Watson in that situation, and he was like Aaron Rodgers. Hard to break down his walls. Maybe it's group tattoos for the boys. We go get some weird stuff on our forearms, and then the Green Bay Packers can meld together, Fasano. I'm not so sure, but maybe, of course, Aaron, a loyal viewer of the morning after, witnesses that, and he's like, <laughs> you know what? That was great advice. I should open up. I should communicate with my teammates and not be so hard on these young wide receivers. We'll figure it out, and they have an opportunity to do so, again, as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite at home on Sunday against Chicago. Of course, and we all know he owns the Bears, so he's hopefully ready for a bounce-back game this week. Uh, so let's, uh, let's get to what everybody loves about this segment, Ben. The producer picks. Let's give out some winners right here, right now, on the morning after, and we'll start with yours truly, myself. We're going with, hey, I picked them to win the national title in our pit uh, uh, I guess I guess what you want to call it the picks pit picks for the national title pit I'm picks. going with USC yeah. so we're riding with USC this week against Fresno State they're a 12 and a half point favorite the line's actually moving Ben it's 11 and a half now so I uh -oh. like the sign of that give me the Trojans against Fresno State should be a high scoring game too it's a high total as well give me the Trojans come on Ben you got to ride with me here do you like the sign of that that it's working in Fresno State's favor that would scare me because I think the Bulldogs are a very ripe underdog on Saturday night in the Coliseum against USC. This is their biggest game of the year. It is the second straight Pac-12 tilt for Fresno State and Jake Hayner. Of course, we pay attention to Caleb Williams, but make sure you look at the other side for Fresno State. I think it's going to be a close one on Saturday night in L.A. Fasano. Totally understand you, Ben, but let me just say, it's a prove-it game for Caleb Williams, too. He's tied for mm. the best odds with the Heisman market, so if he really wants to be taken seriously, the Trojans got to blow out Fresno State this weekend. So, yeah, give me the Trojans. I'll ride with them. Uh, let's bounce right. over to Bocce. His pick this week will be in the Saints-Bucks game. Well, we all know the Bucks have trouble in New Orleans against the Saints. He's riding with Michael Thomas. Anytime touchdown, that market is not available yet, but... I mean, Bocce rode with Mike Williams last night, and that proved to be Oof. a winner. So maybe he can ride another Mike to the bank this Sunday. Bocce was big last night. Mike Williams in a parlay with an anytime touchdown with Josh Palmer's anytime touchdown. That led to the backdoor cover for the Chargers. Big night on Bocce. He owes us a ton of drinks, Faz. Yeah, I think so. Weekend starts at Bocce's house. He's throwing the rager. We'll make it happen. And, and let's go, guys. He's the hottest picker on this board 
It's our guy, okay. Jesse Metzger, our graphics producer. Tyreek Hill, over 68 and a half receiving yards. They've taken on the Ravens. Hey, I want the Dolphins to destroy the Ravens, so I'm riding with you, Jesse. Give me Tyreek Hill. I hope he gets two touchdowns against these birds. Give me the Dolphins and give me that Tyreek Hill prop. In his Dolphins debut last week, Tyreek Hill, eight grabs on 12 targets for 94 yards. 68 and a half feels light, especially against the Baltimore secondary that was the worst in the NFL a season ago. Alex Fasano, as always, we thank you. We switch it up on this Football Friday to Major League Baseball with the pitching ninja Rob Freeman up next here on the morning after on Sportsbook. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Even though it is a football Friday, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid, there's still about 20 games left. In this Major League Baseball season. So we get ready for this home stretch with the one, the only, the pitching ninja. FanDuel's Rob Freeman joins us here on this Friday on the morning after to go all around the bigs, highlighting some of the pitchers on Rob's card and looking forward to this weekend because, Rob, not many more weekends left in this Major League Baseball regular season. Postseason positioning front and center right now in MLB. We are very happy to have you here on the show. Oh, I'm happy to be here. And yeah, like, what's this football thing? It's baseball season still, right? It is still very much baseball season. October is on the horizon. And Rob, two teams out of the American League East that aren't going to win the division, but will be in the AL playoffs more than likely. The Rays and the Blue Jays facing off against one another yesterday in Toronto. And at least on paper, Rob, it was expected to be a pitcher's duel. One side, Shane McClanahan, looked really, really good. Kevin Gosman on the other for the Blue Jays, not so great. But, Rob, let's focus on McClanahan. At one point, he was the odds-on favorite to win the American League Cy Young. It's been a struggle of a second half that has seen him deal with some injuries. This was his first start in nearly three weeks. What did you make of McClanahan's performance yesterday against Toronto? I thought he looked as good as he possibly could look. I was hesitant to... You know, I didn't know what to expect, obviously, coming back from injury. But his fastball was electric. He was up to 100 miles an hour, and I think painted with it. Um, slider, he had like a 93-mile-an-hour slider to get Springer. I thought he looked great. Um, to me, he's arguably the best pitcher in the American League. He's not going to win the Cy Young, mm-hmm. but he right. – uh, I mean, he was filthy. He looked good. And Gosman wasn't as bad as – you know, if you look at the results, it wasn't great. But he went through stretches of being dominant himself. I mean, he gave up a couple of home runs that cost him. But other than that, he looked pretty good. And when you look at McClanahan yesterday, five innings of work, just 69 pitches. The Rays working him back into the rotation. But shut out baseball yesterday for the Rays, who started all nine Latin American players on Roberto Clemente Day, a historic first and a wonderful celebration of that significant day in Major League Baseball. So, Rob, I mentioned it. Both the Rays and the Blue Jays will be in the American League postseason picture. But as has been the case for most of this Major League Baseball season, there's been a clear pecking order with the top two in the AL. The Astros and the Yankees have been interchangeable as the favorites to win the pennant. But, Rob, when we look at this new market on FanDuel to make 
the ALCS. The Astros are minus 175. The Yankees heavily favored as well at minus 160. And then it's the Blue Jays dropping off a little bit at plus 270. Do you think any of those wild card teams, the Blue Jays, the M's, the Rays, or maybe even the Guardians out of the American League Central have enough to challenge the Astros and the Yankees at the top of the American League? I do. I do. I think, I mean, number one, we've all learned you don't write off the Rays. For one, their right. their pitching is is actually really good. Adding McClanahan back, stud. Um, Springs has been under the radar, been really good. But I love also the Mariners have a top tier, you know, rotation, and yeah. Kirby hasn't probably gotten the the love that he deserves. But dude pitches like a veteran, and he's a rookie. Um, Logan Gilbert's electric, and then you have Castillo and and Ray. I mean, I. You don't want to match up with that team, I think, at least as far as pitching. I'm not sure the Mariners can get to the World Series, so I'm not sure the Amer the Mariners can win the American League pennant, but I think the M's might be a feisty team in this postseason to make the ALCS, just win their wildcard and divisional matchup and maybe get there. We'll see how that plays out for Seattle at a pretty hefty plus money price. So, Rob, we mentioned it. Shane McClanahan, at one point, was the betting favorite to win the American League Cy Young. Now it's Justin Verlander. McClanahan, the third best odds at 10-1. to 1. Rob, Verlander has remained the odds-on favorite despite the fact he hasn't pitched here in the last couple of weeks dealing with an injury himself on the 15-day IL. But he is expected to get the start today against the Oakland Athletics. What do you expect out of Verlander when he returns? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, Verlander has returned from a lot of stuff in his career. Um, including this year, just his whole return from Tommy John. So I expect him to be at his best. I think this Cy Young race is really interesting. Um, you know, it's going to come down to a couple of good starts at the end. If Verlander falters at all, Cease has the door wide open to win it. If he has a couple of good starts. And honestly, if you match up Verlander and McClanahan, there's not a whole lot of difference stat-wise. I mean, I, I think Verlander's got the bigger name. He's been around for forever and is a stud. But McClanahan's yeah. really, really good. And Fromberg, don't forget him. Like his his yeah. quality start streak is incredible. So lots of good pitching there. But it's probably Verlander's a lose if you know, but he can lose it. And it's such an interesting thing to try to handicap award races, especially in baseball, when it's all voted on by media members, because Verlander has the narrative what he's been in major league baseball now for 82 years and is still <laughs> pitching at this level so that backs up what verlander can do the astros a minus 375 favorite against the a's today and we saw another good performance out of houston yesterday you mentioned framer valdez you have justin verlander and now lance mccullers is back making his sixth start of the season yesterday striking out 11 rob what have you seen out of mccullers in his return for houston so Lance McCullers has been my dude for a long time. Like he is one of my early social media followers. I love the dude. I love his stuff. He's electric and you're seeing him return to form. Like he on any, on any given day is the best pitcher on that Houston staff. And I think the Houston staff would say that too. Like his breaking stuff is incredible. His, uh, his changeup has been electric. So, I mean, their pitching is so deep. Like that is uh, you know, definitely one of the best pitching staffs around. And uh, I mean, what do you do? Like you have Verlander, Valdez, and and um, and McCullers. That's a that's a tough matchup for anybody. 
And much to the chagrin, probably, of the rest of Major League Baseball and the fans across the sport, the Astros have won 13 of 16 games and can clinch the division here in the American League West very, very soon. Rob, finally, somebody told the Mets they have the easiest remaining schedule in the National League because 11 Ks for Lance McCullers Jr. yesterday, 11 strikeouts for Cookie Carrasco against the Pirates at City Field last night. Don't look now, but Cookie Carrasco, 15-6 and six this year, Rob. He's been sensational for this Mets staff as well. Are you concerned at all, though, out of what you've seen of the Mets here in the last two weeks, struggling against a very easy schedule? You know, I'm probably not that concerned because when it comes time to you know, for playoffs and everything, you have Jake DeGrom and Max Scherzer. And then, you know, Cookie's pretty darn good, and people don't pay as much. You're, you're 100% right. Like, He's another under-the-radar guy who just wins. Um, and then Chris Bassett, too, is a stud. So you've got a, a great pitching staff, and I think adding Scherzer back adds that intensity to just dominate these lesser teams. Like, losing Scherzer, he's a clubhouse presence. Um, dude is, a, is the ultimate competitor. Like, I don't know that there's a bigger competitor in baseball than Max Scherzer. And having him alongside you in the dugout is just missing a body that you're going to war with. So... To me, adding him back, it'll turn things around right away. I expect the Mets to be you know, a force in the postseason. That is a great point. Not just his performance on the bump, but what he means for the clubhouse in general. So the Mets now a one-game lead in the National League East. The Braves are taking on the Phillies in a divisional showdown this weekend, Rob, in Atlanta. Max Freed on the bump tonight. Atlanta's a minus-190 favorite. What's the approach to this weekend set for the Braves against the Phillies? I mean, Braves just have to keep being the Braves. Like, their pitching is another one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. I think, uh, you know, Max Fried, he speaks for himself. Like, the dude is a, is a stud. My question, like, when dealing with K-props and stuff, Fried is all over the place when it comes to striking yeah. people out. He hasn't done that a lot this year. And that's why I kind of stay away from him on that. But as a pitcher, dude has everything. Like, he's been there, done that, and has the stuff to dominate. And we have a one-game lead right now for New York over Atlanta, but no odds available on the FanDuel Sportsbook for the National League East at this moment. Interesting at this time, Rob. Quickly here, a California clash for the best team in baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers, already clinching the NL West for the ninth time in the last 10 years. But they're trying to find those reinforcements, Rob, for the October run in that starting staff. Enter Dustin May. How do you evaluate Dustin May and what he means for this Dodgers rotation? So Dustin May has the best stuff on the in the on the Dodgers. Like I think I I would, yeah, I would fight that to death. The issue is inconsistency coming back from injury. I expect him to, you know, he needs a few starts, figure it out, but his stuff plays. And I, you know, I I love him as a pitcher. Just has to get that experience again under his belt. Yeah, it'll be huge for that October run, potentially for the Dodgers. All right, Rob, let's make some people some money here as we get ready for this football weekend, looking at the Friday night Major League Baseball slate. What is the pitching ninja K-prop parlay that you have for us today? I have Blake Snell for seven or more Ks. I mean, I think that he, well, he had 10 Ks last time against Arizona. I think he'll, mm -hmm. I mean, he, he can definitely hit that number. We have Robbie Ray, seven or more Ks. And Ray has done 10 Ks two times against the Angels. I like that. And then Michael Waka, he's been consistent, like another under-the-radar ace. He's had a great season. And I think he's hit five or more Ks, something like 
five out of his last six outings. So I like that as well. I love the look here too, Rob, because sometimes I hate losing by the hook when it comes to a K prop. So you get us to that even number of seven, seven, and five. And the Angels have the highest K rate in all of Major League Baseball. The pitching ninja, Rob Friedman from FanDuel, joining us here on this Friday on the morning after. Rob, thank you so much for your time as always. And as we look forward to football, good luck to your heels the rest of the way. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I hope so. I hope so. Hey, a perfect 3-0 start for Mac Brown and UNC to begin this year. We go back to the NFL, the prop perspective for your Sunday slate with Joe P. Sophia up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A football Friday returns live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Very pleased to welcome on Joe Pisapia, one of the hosts of Fantasy Sports Today, each and every Sunday morning throughout this football season, live right here on the grid, starting at 8 a.m. Eastern time to give you that DFS perspective, the prop perspective for your NFL Sunday slate. So Joe P, that is what we will do here for week number two but how was your week number one the opening Sunday of the NFL season it was pretty good I'm not gonna lie I think uh 10 out of 12 leagues we got the W it's all those Justin Jefferson 12 cares. leagues oh yeah I mean that's nothing that's oh. not counting the couple dynasty that's just the redraft here well this is what I do this is what we do for a living yeah. but hey look yeah. I told everybody a couple weeks ago on your show, we've been saying it on fantasy sports today for weeks, Justin Jefferson, this is the guy. If you have him in the first round, you take him. I can understand Jonathan Taylor at one. Anybody else in the first round, you take Justin Jefferson if they let you. And if not, you take Jamar Chase. It's a wide receiver league. We're just living in it. It's taking people a long time to figure that out. Just ask all the CMC and the Eckler owners how they feel after the last uh, two games or so. What was it, nine receptions for a buck 84 and two oh. touchdowns for the young Jay Jet in the first game but of his third counting? season? Yeah, I think it was pretty, pretty good. 12 leagues. That's Against the best corner in the league, pro. by it's the also way. Very, very well. Jair Alexander. Was Jair Alexander on him? That was the conversation. Jair Alexander was like, I should have been on him more, but I think everything's been. fine in Green Bay. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers seems thrilled. Everything is good. All right, Joe P. Let's set the stage for week number two now. One of the games that I'm most intrigued by, a battle of unbeatens. Yes, it's only been one week, but we have some fun here. 1-0 Baltimore hosting 1-0 Miami. In the Ravens, Joe, a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Dolphins. What's your approach to the home opener for the Ravens this year? Well, look, from a fantasy perspective, you know, you're always starting Lamar. I think Lamar has a great opportunity in this game. J.K. Dobbins looks like he's trending in the right direction health-wise, so that's very important. Uh, you want to get J.K. Dobbins back on the field and back and healthy because that's mm -hmm. the guy that they really need a running back. Kenyon Drake's not that guy. Mike Davis certainly is not that guy. And Gus Edwards is still on the shelf. So you're going to see a lot of Lamar Jackson running the football, I think, in this game more so than the last game because I think it might be a little bit more competitive, which is good. Uh, but at the same time, you also want to get Mark Andrews going. You want to get Bateman going. Bateman's interesting, too, because, you know, a tough corner matchup week one with Sauce. Tough corner matchup this week as well with Zayvon Howard. And the next couple matchups, like, I think three of the next four are kind of tough as well. So Rashad Bateman, if he doesn't have a, a really good game, 
this week and then next week. He becomes a fascinating buy low because after that, the schedule really opens up for him. And then on the Dolphins side, it's fascinating because you got all the volume that went to Tyreek Hill, and then you got the touchdown that went to Jalen Waddle, which is the inverse of what everybody told you was going to be the case in Miami. So <laughs> how much do we want to take out of that? I don't know. Not much. I would think we'd go back to Jalen Waddle being the high volume guy. It's good that they're forcing targets to Tyreek Hill. That's a positive. But I would say in DFS this week, if you want to have a share of each of them, that's okay. Um, I would do a lineup with both of them. It's still pretty good secondary in Baltimore. But look, Tyreek Hill is still going to be that that guy who has those big games and not so big games. Jalen Waddle's that floor guy, and I think this will be a much better test. I think New England's still trying to figure out its identity on offense. I think Baltimore Ravens know exactly who they are. I think this is going to be a tough assignment for Miami to go into Baltimore and come away with a W, and I don't think they will. Joe, it's a very interesting point on Baltimore right now because they were the top rushing offense in both 2019 and 2020 in the National Football League. But last week against the Jets, just 63 yards against mm. Gang Green. Are you concerned at all by the Baltimore Ravens rushing attack right now as they try to get J.K. Dobbins healthy and try to get Lamar a little bit more in space as well? Concern? No. Uh, I think that Lamar just didn't have to do all that much to beat the Jets. I think there might be a couple more opportunities for him to have to do that and make some big plays here. Um, and I think when you're trying to get paid, the last thing you're going to do necessarily is take some unnecessary shots. So I think Lamar's kind of in the back of his head might think that. Now, I'm not saying that's, you know, at a third down and long, he's all of a sudden thinking, hmm, should I run? The instincts take over. But what I'm saying is if there's unnecessary moments for him to get out in space, he's going to avoid those except in these more contested games. I think this might be a more contested game too. Miami defense is pretty darn good. So to me, I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I think it was more just those stats came from not having Dobbins. I think Dobbins doesn't get enough respect. I think people forget yep. two years ago how good he was down that stretch of the last six weeks of the season, scoring touchdowns, touching the football. Is he going to catch a ton of passes? No, but he can catch more than you realize. So Dobbins is a huge piece to get back here. And in your fantasy lineups, I would get him back in, 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 uh, at FanDuel, DK, stuff like that, I think you just want to wait and see a little bit. I don't think you want to make that investment quite yet. It is interesting right now because J.K. Dobbins does have an anytime touchdown prop available, but no rushing yards prop out as of right now. Lamar's is 54 and a half. Kenyon Drake somewhere in the 40s. Both of those players also with an anytime TD prop as well. Joe Pisapia, where were you and how much hair did you have? The last time the Detroit Lions were the favorite in an NFL football game. Because that's what we're going to see on Sunday. The Lions, a one-and-a-half-point favorite against the Commanders. Can you believe it? Well, I think they said 24 games or something like that. So I still didn't have hair, which is sad. Okay. It's unfortunate. Fair. But what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is great. I think they should be. I mean, the Lions are a competitive football team. They were a competitive football team last year. They just didn't have the talent. They still don't have the talent over on the defensive side, something where they're still lacking. Uh, some of the grades on Aiden Hutchinson that came out on PFF weren't great in his first game. Mm -hmm. But look, the defense, you need different levels. And right now, you know, they're still trying to figure out their identity. The offense, on the other hand, you know, you know, we are dealing with that ankle injury from DeAndre Swift. He's saying he's okay. So if he says he's okay, I believe him. I'm not worried about Jamal Williams getting those couple touchdowns because DeAndre Swift was an absolute monster on the field. I think the surprise in this was DJ Shark, who had a really good game alongside of Amon Ross St. Brown, who should surprise nobody. There was such a lazy narrative in the fantasy community regarding Amon Ross St. Brown that the only reason he was so good the last eight weeks of the season, getting double-digit targets like eight weeks in a row and catching pretty much nine passes a week was only because Hawkinson was out and this guy was out and that guy was out. Well, that lazy fantasy 
suppressed Amon Ross St. Brown's draft value. And that's very fortunate for people like me who didn't want to buy into that narrative. Amon Ross St. Brown is for real. He is a big part of this offense. Now, eventually when Jamison Williams comes in, we'll see how that all works together. But for right now, I think you take that guy to the bank. I think he's a great lineup builder in season long. You want him in everywhere. And in DFS, I think he's a really good cash game play with a little bit of upside for more. And golf played relatively well in this game. They lost to a better Eagles team. This is a very winnable matchup, though, for Detroit at home. And I know Carson Wentz played great last week. We saw the uh, <laughs> the resurrection of Curtis Samuel, of all people, last week. Jahan Dotson got involved in the action. Terry McLaurin a little bit more of a ghost in this one. But uh, that's the thing. Like, Antonio Gibson's a start in this game. I think if you have any of those Washington Commanders wide receivers, you're still going to probably roll out Terry McLaurin. But, you know, if you picked up Curtis Samuel off the waiver wire, he's a decent flex play in this matchup against Detroit. We know the fighting Dan Campbells will bite your kneecap and keep games <laughs> close. They are a great team from a cover percentage, Joe P. 18 games under Campbell uh, as an underdog, 12-6 and six against the spread. But it's time to see if a great team that can cover can, can become a good team that can win and also cover a one-and-a-half-point spread as a favorite on Sunday against Washington. Joe, another one-and-a-half-point spread in New York on Sunday. The Giants mm. laying a point-and-a-half in their home opener against the Carolina Panthers. It's a great game from the team perspective, but also for the running backs on both sides. Christian McCaffrey back and healthy for the Carolina Panthers. The same can be said for Saquon Barkley. Outstanding in the season-opening victory for the Giants on the road in Nashville this past Sunday what do you expect out of these two backs on Sunday at MetLife well Saquon Barkley was a revelation I mean you want to talk about a back looking good I mean he looked like a whole different human being if he can sustain anything close to that performance that we saw on Sunday then the Giants have a shot in a lot of these games to be competitive he is that good of a player and it stinks because the last couple of years with all these injuries I feel like we all collectively forgot or thought that we would never see that version of him again well, we saw it, and it was incredibly exciting. And this was my whole thing going – it's funny because you're comparing McCaffrey here and Saquon Barkley. But my whole thing going into draft season is why are we getting such a discount on Saquon Barkley as a second-round player? But we're not getting that same discount on Christian McCaffrey. I didn't understand it. I didn't think it worked. It didn't work for me. You know me, Mr. Justin Jefferson, ever anyways. But, but here's the thing. Saquon Barkley in this game is going to get fed the rock. We know that there's nobody behind him. So all the carries are going to go to him. It's good that he's getting used in space too. Brian Dable is using him the right way. Don't run this guy between the tackles. Get him out there in space. Let him get a head start and let him go. Use him in the passing game as well. I think what's kind of interesting too is you had that early big game from Robbie Anderson last week too. Now, a lot of people tell you, well, you had that one big play. Well, that's what Robbie Anderson is. And Baker Mayfield historically, then he's that guy that likes to take those shots downfield that maybe he shouldn't always. But that kind of does match up with the skill set of Robbie Anderson. And I'm kind of curious to see if that is more of a trend where we see some more of those shots. And does that create uh, uh, maybe a negative space for uh, DJ Moore, who is a wonderful wide receiver, but maybe a different version of this offense than we're used to seeing. I don't want to overreact to week one. That's why this game is very important. So I wouldn't be starting Robbie Anderson, but be still floating around your waiver wire. I might grab him just to see, because maybe just maybe Baker Mayfield can make something out of him. Uh, but look, it, it certainly was a great win for the Giants last week. Great opportunity fantasy-wise. Of course, you're going to be starting both these running backs. Last week, Saquon Barkley was huge chalk in DFS because he was so cheap. He is more expensive this week, as you can imagine, yeah. but still not nearly as expensive as McCaffrey. So to me, it's a no-brainer. I'm going with Barkley.
Listen, the volume for Saquon last week was also outstanding from that health perspective to see him out there as often as he was. 83.3% of the snaps last week in that Giants offense. Saquon Barkley was out there. We hope to see that in week number two as well. All right, Joe P, a game we haven't touched on yet here on this Football Friday on the morning after. A very intriguing one. Life for the Dallas Cowboys without Dak Prescott begins on Sunday, hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Dallas, a seven and a half point home underdog. Both of these teams looked less than impressive in week number one. Who steps up, Joe, for Dallas in this game? <laughs> Uh, I don't think there's an answer to that question because I think <laughs> the answer to this question is uh, maybe Micah Parsons from an IDP standpoint because he's going to be on the field a yeah. ton. Uh, Cooper Rush is not Teddy Bridgewater. He is not a guy that started in this league and you feel like, okay, we can pivot and win with this guy. He's a below average backup, okay? And that's partially because of the structure of this team and the way they are with the salary cap. CD Lamb is in trouble for the next month or so. Same thing with Dalton yep. Schultz. I mean, Cooper Rush could come out and have a really good game. But again, that's not something you can invest in. But on the other side, I would be investing in the Bengals. I'd be investing in Joe Burrow, who despite the uh, many picks last week, still returned a big fantasy performance. Jamar Chase. T. Higgins dealing with that uh, injury right now with the concussion. We'll see if he's a go. But in the meantime, Hayden Hurst at tight end is dirt cheap on DK mm -hmm. and on FanDuel. He becomes a really intriguing option in the passing game. There were a couple smash games for C.J. Uzama last year, if people will recall. He was the tight end one that week. So the We're having some technical difficulties with Joe P in the middle of a great about so the much. Cincinnati Bengals. Unfortunately, is Joe P back? I don't think so. All right, we'll continue he here. Oh, he is back. Joe, you got about 40 seconds. Finish your answer on the Bengals. I don't know what happened. I was in the matrix for a minute. It was amazing. Uh, but look, real quick, invest in the Bengals defense. Invest in Hayden Hurst, especially if T. Higgins is out. And look for the Bengals to be putting up big numbers because, look, I don't think this Dallas offense can keep moving the chains. That means bad news because the Bengals are going to be on the field a whole lot. That's how you bounce back from any issue. Cincinnati, take note to what Joe P. Zapia just did here on the morning after on this football Friday. Joe P., have a great show on Fantasy Sports today, this Sunday starting at 8 a.m. Eastern time. We round out this show, TMA, up next on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here on this Football Friday live on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Spiz Grizz Network. That's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Football Friday. Thank you for joining us all week long here all across the grid and on TMA. So before we send you into your weekend to get you set for the Sunday slate in the National Football League, of course, we need a best bet. And much like last night, starting off week number two, entering TNF between the Chiefs and the Chargers, there was a lot that I liked, but nothing that I loved that was like my favorite best bet. Go hammer this. I don't really have that confidence level necessarily for week two. But there's a lot that I do like. And there's an angle of attack that I think gives us a better edge 
than just looking at a large spread. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for an NFL Sunday Slate Week 2 best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. The reigning Super Bowl champions, after a clunker in the opening week and the opening game of the year against the Buffalo Bills, need to respond at home on, on Sunday in L.A. against the Falcons. And the odds expect the Rams to have this bounce-back spot. They're a 9.5-point favorite against the Atlanta Falcons. I don't want to lay 9.5 with the Rams. I think they can win this game. I think they can certainly win this game by double digits. But let's go to another area to back the big favorites here. Let's look at the first half team total for L.A. It stands at 14 right now. The Rams have the seventh best first half scoring offense in the National Football League last year, averaging 13.3 points per game. The Atlanta Falcons had the sixth worst first half scoring defense, giving up 12.8 points per game. I think the Rams start hot. They try to get to covering this nine and a half point spread, and that will happen in the first half. Over 14 first half points for LA on Sunday. Week number two of the National Football League regular season is here. Week number three of college football here as well. Have a wonderful football weekend. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk again on the morning after, live on Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern.